Will you take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke chapter 1, not Luke 2. We'll get to that, but Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 26 through 33. This is the Christmas story. Well, I'm going to tell you something that's going to surprise you. Sometimes I watch the O'Reilly factor. I know that surprises you. And um, on Fox News, and one of the regulars there is a guy named Jesse Waters. How many of you are familiar with Jesse Waters? Would you raise your hand? And Jesse uh, does this uh, interview he calls Waters World. And uh, he will do like men on the street interviews on college campuses, at beaches, um, Times Square, and and other places. I want to show you just a segment. Uh, If we've got that ready up there, I'm sure we do. I want to show you just a segment of a clip that he did. He was asking people uh, concerning the meaning of Christmas and uh, specifically Hey, what do you know about Jesus? Play this clip, please. Where was Jesus born? (laughs) Jerusalem. Do you know where Jesus was born? Uh, Yeah, he was born in, I don't know. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Now, where is Bethlehem? Bethlehem is in Pennsylvania. Jesus is an American? Yes. Uh, And what was Jesus' profession? Carpenter. I believe a carpenter. Jesus was what? A baby? <laughs> he, he was um, like a preacher. Just like a nice, all around nice guy. Yeah. He had people skills. People skills. <laughs> Sleigh bells ring. The three wise men were kings from the east who saw the guiding star in the night and followed it all the way to Bethlehem, where they paid homage to Jesus and presented him with gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, it seems a little crazy that anywhere in America that there would be people. Uh, who do not know who Jesus is. However, if you did a man-on-the-street interview like Jesse Waters just did, on the campuses of FSU, FAMU, or TCC, you would find a response in many cases very similar to what you saw there. You could do this the same thing in the mall here in Tallahassee. A large portion of the population around us has no clue about Jesus or the meaning of Christmas. And just to make sure that we don't miss it, this morning I want to share with you five components of the Christmas story, a very simple and straightforward message. But if you don't get it anywhere else, at least you're going to get it in church on the Sunday before Christmas 2015. First of all, the Christmas story is about the Son of God. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greeting, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom <clears throat> there will be no end. Well, the reason for Christmas, the reason there is a Christmas, is because of Christ, the Son of God. God incarnate, God made flesh to dwell among us. The non-Christian world, and many of those claiming to be Christian, think that Jesus was a good man. He was a good man. Or as that one girl said, he had people skills, and he, <clears throat> he did have uh, people skills. He told it like it was. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Son of God promised to the world. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There are a lot of good things to enjoy around Christmas time, and I enjoy all of the good things at Christmas time. <clears throat> there are Christmas trees, there are houses decorated with lights. Christmas cookies and their stockings that are supposed to be hung by the chimney with care. And even that jolly old rather portly guy in a red suit, I just like it all. I like all of Christmas. That being said, it is all too often that these symbols of the holiday become the point of the holiday. That the symbols of Christmas become the point of Christmas. The point of Christmas is that Jesus is God and came to dwell among us. Here's what we should see. We should see at Christmas time Jesus to be preeminent and not just prominent. If you haven't seen the Allison uh, Christmas spectacular, Christmas light spectacular, you really should see it. Um, last night, I... Uh, went with my grandsons, and we went up there, and we saw the Christmas light spectacular, over 200,000 lights. And there's coordinated, and even the people who live across the street, they have run a wire underneath the road, and the people across the street now have their lights, uh, pitiful as they may be. Uh, <clears throat> no, they're nice lights. Uh, they have them coordinated with the Allisons. If you've not seen this, you're really missing something. I'm telling you, you're really missing something. I'll be going back. And just so you'll know, they're located at 240 uh, Sandy Creek Road. That's just this side of Havana. It's a Havana address, but it's about eight miles from the interstate toward Havana, and you'll turn right, and then you'll go a little ways up. And if you miss it, if you, if you drive up Sandy Creek Road and you miss it, you shouldn't be driving. Uh, <clears throat> it's really a big, big deal. And uh, I, I, loved, I loved it. I saw it last night, and uh, Daniel and I communicate about it all the time. And the lights really are beautiful, and they're very intriguing to watch, and, and they are coordinated perfectly with the music that's uh, pumped out over an FM signal. You can listen to it on your radio. And the theme <clears throat> is two things. It's both prominently and preeminently Jesus Christ. That's what's really great about their light show. 
In fact, if you'll notice the, the one light display closest to the road and lit up very bright and makes no dancing moves at all is the cross. They have a huge cross right out <clears throat> next to the road. Now, I think that's wonderful, and I'm giving kudos to the, uh, to the Allisons. And if that, if that cross does dance and light up and, and down, you probably ought to stop it now because I've announced that it doesn't. But, uh, but <clears throat> it is really magnificent. But here's what I like. They didn't make Jesus prominent. They made him preeminent. He is preeminent. And so Christmas is about the Son of God, and he should be preeminent, not just prominent. He should be revered and not just referenced. Where do you think most of the Christmas season is celebrated? Is most of the Christmas season celebrated uh, in the mall or on Black Friday at at Walmart? Uh, Is it at public events like the Christmas parade or concerts or, or ballets? No, most Christmas celebration is celebrated in the home. Most of us celebrate our Christmas in the home. In fact, that's probably uh, many of you who will not take a trip to the mall. You will not uh, go to Walmart. Uh, you will not take a trip outside of the house. You'll still celebrate Christmas in your home. The point is that we celebrate Christmas in places and ways that give the birth of Jesus reference, but maybe not reverence. Here's what I'm happy for. I'm happy that you found your way to God's house today. And of course, people are traveling during the Christmas season. I understand that. And we have a large presence through North Florida Christian School that will go once school is out. And I understand that. I'm not, I have no access to grind there. But I'm hoping that those who are away from us have done and are doing as you have done. Found your way to God's house. Found your way uh, to church. I'm thankful for those things that are done to revere the Son of God on, uh, at Christmas time. For instance, we, we don't have a Christmas Eve service. We've never had a Christmas Eve service. But I'm very thankful for the churches that have Christmas Eve service. And if you like to go to a Christmas Eve service, I hope that you'll go to one of these churches that has a, a good Christmas Eve service if that's what you want to do. I really want you to. Don't give your tithe there and don't join. But you're welcome to go. I'm happy for those things. I'm happy. I like the, uh, you know, our church does this big thing around Easter. In fact, this year on Easter weekend, we'll do the Passion Play. It's one of the biggest things that happens uh, really in Tallahassee around Easter time. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. And we'll have 3,000 plus people here uh, during the, the presentation of the, of the Passion Play. But we're not the only church that does things. I've never been able to do this because I always gave up uh, before I could see it. But I like that drive-through Christmas. I like the idea of that drive-through Christmas at Killarn uh, Methodist Church. I've never done that. And again, I've I've tried, and I just just can't do it. I I just can't stay in that line that long. Uh, It's kind of, if you've been to to Maui uh, in Hawaii, you know about the road to Hana, um, how many of you are familiar with the road to Hana in Maui? I have never been all the way to Hana uh, on that road. I've been part of the way. 
But there, was, there reached a point where I said, you know, it just can't be worth it. And I turned around and came back. But that being said, I love that, that drive-through Christmas because it makes Christ preeminent. <clears throat> it makes Christ, uh, it gives him the preeminent, and, and he is revered there. So what is Christmas about? It's about the Son of God, secondly, born in Bethlehem. Not Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, but <clears throat> in Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2 and verse 4, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. One year, I did a a reference check on the size of Bethlehem, comparatively speaking, and what would a town like Bethlehem be today if if today there were a modern-day Bethlehem, if Jesus wanted to come to a town about the size and about the reputation of Bethlehem, you know where he would go? Crawfordville. Crawfordville uh, and, and today's equivalent is about the size of what Bethlehem was. Everything about the birth of Jesus pointed to the contrast of who he is and who he became. He is the Prince of Peace, but he was born as a pauper in Bethlehem. He is the mighty God, but he was laid in a lowly manger. He is the wonderful counselor, but he was wrapped in the rags of swaddling clothes. Just about a a month ago, we celebrated Thanksgiving, and we spoke of God's tremendous blessings to all of us. And you may recall that we talked about how good we have it, and we do have it good. Make no mistake about it, we have it good. We certainly have more in earthly things than Mary and Joseph had to offer a new baby. No one had a shower for them, She wasn't given a lot of gifts, evidently, in in preparation for the new baby. Now, there were some gifts that were brought afterward and given to the baby. You know about those gifts of gold and frankincense and, and myrrh. However, there would be nothing that would be theirs about in the birth of Jesus. There's nothing about the surroundings of Jesus' birth that suggested anything that would be Uh, welcoming the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The appearance of Jesus was deceptive. I don't mean deceitful, just deceptive. You would look at the appearance of Jesus and think, well, this is just some poor kid being born and didn't even get to go in the house to be born, had to be born in the stable. Well, that's the story of Christmas. It's that the Son of God was born in Bethlehem to a virgin named Mary. That's the third part of the story. If you have, let me ask this, how many of you have heard of or know the name Mark Lowry? Would you raise your hand if you know the name Mark Lowry? Okay. I'm going to encourage you to Google Mark Lowry's name. L-O-W-R-Y, Mark Lowry. You're missing one of the funniest people who has ever lived. He is hilarious. He's also a gifted singer and songwriter. You know that song, Mary, Did You Know? 
Mark Lowry <clears throat> wrote that song. Just a few weeks ago at the Dove Awards, the 2015 Dove Awards, he was asked to come out on stage and to kill a little time, just to kill some time. And he was telling some funny stuff, and he had on a, he had on a, a T-shirt that said, uh, dogs go to heaven, and he had a scripture reference, and he was talking about that. And, and uh, you know, he was talking about what a blessing uh, dogs were, and, and he went through this scenario about that your dog loves you more than your, your mate does, your husband or your wife. And, and he said, for instance, he said, lock your wife up in the car for two hours in the, in the trunk and then open the trunk and see if she's glad to see you. I mean, he's, he's really, <clears throat> really a funny, funny guy. And he started going around uh, and, and was killing time and he started asking people uh, what denomination they were. Were there any Baptists there? Were there any uh, Pentecostals there? And so on. Then he got to the Catholics. And I want to show you this little brief clip that uh, he shared about the Catholics, if you will. Any Baptists, any of my people here? Oh, I thought I sensed a self-righteous spirit. I know you. Uh, any Catholics? Oh, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Tell Mary I said, hey. I'm Baptist, we're not allowed to talk to her. But tell her I said thanks for that song. <laughs> God bless you. That's really an awesome guy right there. You, you, really, you really ought to look up Mark Lowry. Uh, we're still not going to talk to Mary. Uh, this morning, but we're going to talk about her just a little bit in Matthew 1 and now verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Did you read a few weeks ago all of the stuff on the news or in the news about Tim Tebow and uh, about the supposedly him <clears throat> breaking up uh, with his girlfriend or his girlfriend breaking up with him because he had pledged uh, to remain a virgin until he was married. Uh, I think, surely you, you saw that, maybe you didn't. He, he was reportedly seeing uh, this, this lady here, uh, Miss Universe, and that for some reason they stopped dating. Let me just briefly tell you the real story. The real story is that they met in church and they never did date, they hung out as friends. They never did date. They were never on a date together according to uh, the, the follow-up. However, the story about Tim Tebow's pledge to wait for marriage to become sexually active, well, that really, really became big news. And I, I would read to you some of the headlines and comments, but they're absolutely inappropriate. They're a mockery uh, of his beliefs and, and our beliefs. Today's world and maybe even some of the people listening to this sermon think Tim Tebow's decision to be laughable. 
I should remind all of us that without a virgin named Mary, the Christmas story would not be what it is. God chose a virgin. All children are gifts from God and born miraculously. But this child was the Son of God and born immaculately. His lineage would be pure through, though born in the flesh, he was not born to sinful man, but to a virgin untouched by man, touched only by the Holy Spirit of God. And though troubled at first, Mary came to understand the miracle, and Joseph too submitted himself to the will of God in devotion to Mary. The Christmas story is that the Son of God was born in Bethlehem to a virgin named Mary, and he was given a name. We've already seen that his name was Emmanuel. Matthew one twenty three. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. But his parents and friends would call him Jesus. Speaking of Joseph in Matthew one twenty five, but knew her, that is, he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. That's the name that most of us know him by. That's his personal name. My formal name is Randall Gale Ray. You like that? You got anything to say about it? Randall Gale Ray. But my personal name is Randy. Everybody knows me as Randy. People aren't naming their children Randy much anymore, but I'm known as Randy. I wasn't able to name one of my sons after me. I have three sons. Not a one of them's junior because we didn't want to hang Randall Gale Ray on any of them. So we gave them different names, names that they could live with all of their lives and not have to explain. But Jesus was named Jesus. There's really something about that name and saying that name. Jesus is the Son of God, and for this reason, His name is above all other names. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It has been determined that Jesus in Scripture has more than 200 names. That's a lot of names. Most of us have more than, than one name. Uh, I, as I told you, I'm Randall, but I'm Randy. I'm preacher. I'm Pastor Ray. I'm Hey Bud. I'm a lot of different things. But I don't have 200 names. And my names don't really have the kind of meaning. But Jesus had a name that was above every name. From advocate to the living word, the names of Jesus tell the story of uh, not who he was, but who he is. And this Jesus that we celebrate in the Christmas story is the same Jesus who's gone to prepare a place for us and will come again and receive us unto himself, that where he is, there we will be. I shared that with the congregation who came to the um, funeral service for Phyllis Garrens on Friday. 
If you missed that, one of our uh, dear ladies in the church, Phyllis Garens, passed away. And she uh, is with the Lord. And I shared that, that she is with him and, and that uh, he will, has gone and prepared a place for her. The Christmas story is about the Son of God who was born in Bethlehem to a virgin named Mary and given a name, and he is to be worshipped and adored. I'm going to tell you something that's going to scare some of you. Did you know that the President of the United States has the ability, the power, to push a text message to every smartphone in America. Did you know that? Did you know if you've got a, if you've got a phone, a smartphone, he has the power right now to push a text message to all of the residents of America who have text messaging on their, on their telephones. Now, you say, uh, why does he have that? Well, because it's part of the wireless emergency alert system. And it was born under President George W. Bush. It wasn't born under Barack Obama. It was born under President Bush. And the reason that it was born was because of Bush's frustration with the Federal Emergency Management Agency's response during Hurricane Katrina. And so he put that into place, and it has become a part of the system. Now, I've never gotten a text from the President of the United States, but I probably could. I suspect that I may get one just before the election. If you've ever, you say, well, I don't have that on my phone. I think you do. How many of you have ever gotten some sort of an amber alert on your cell phone? Would you raise your hand? You've gotten some sort of an amber alert or a silver alert. That's what the system is. That system chose a certain section of, of the, the uh, country and sent out, and it was an amber alert or a silver alert to look out for this child that may have been abducted or in trouble or, or uh, for a senior that might, a citizen that might be missing and so forth and so on. It's, it's really quite something. And I, and I will tell you this, and I, this is way off the subject, but kind of the thing that that troubles me a little bit is that it could get hijacked uh, possibly by the wrong people because we have discovered that whatever is uh, computer available is computer vulnerable. And so it's possible that it could get hijacked. And I'm not against this. I, I, don't, I don't want you to walk out and think that was the point of the pastor's message. I'm really not against it. I, I'm, I, you know, uh, as long as it's not inappropriately used, but it is, it is used right now. You have gotten it on your, your smartphone. You have received it <clears throat> on your smartphone. The President of the United States can mass message the entire phone-carrying nation at the same time whenever he deems it to be in national interest or necessary. Christmas Day, he could text everybody a Merry Christmas on Christmas Day if he wanted to. Now, I said that to say this. The night when Jesus was born, there were no PSAs. There was no uh, wireless emergency alert system. There was 
<clears throat> there was no cable news. There was no ability to send a crawler across the bottom of the television screen to let everybody know what's happening. There was nothing like that. All there was was a star. That was it. Just a star. And somehow or another, <clears throat> that message from the star reached the right people and has permeated now the whole earth. That message from the star has gotten to us all. Matthew 2, in the latter part of verse 9, And behold, the star they had seen when it rose uh, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And they saw the star. They, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceeding with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him, then opened their treasures, and they offered him gold. Uh, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. In Waters World, if Waters World had been surveying the shepherds or the wise men, they would have found some who knew all about the meaning of Christmas. The wise men from the east brought gifts to Jesus, expensive gifts, gifts that were fit for a king. They worshiped and adored Jesus. Chuck Swindoll writes, Emmanuel, God with us, he who resided in heaven, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit, willingly descended into our world. He breathed our air, he felt our pain, knew our sorrows and died for our sins. He didn't come to frighten us, but to show us the way to warmth and safety. Well, we're about to close this message, and we're going to have our Christmas communion. But before we do, I want to read to you a story about one pastor who, when he was rather newly married, went and picked out a Christmas tree. And this really tells the story of Jesus to us. There it stood, the best tree in the lot. It was the second Christmas of our married life, and with newly wed-like impulse, we decided to forego the two-foot high plastic tree that graced our coffee table the year before. We had found the perfect tree. It was wide at the base, and it came to a perfect point on top. And with blissful Christmas cheer, we paid the $25, and it, we maneuvered it into our 1977 Chevrolet Citation, and we drove to our apartment. I cleared a spot next to the couch, <clears throat> set it up in the corner. At least I tried to set it up in the corner. Our perfect tree immediately fell, turning our tree stand into green and red scrap metal, Another tree stand and multiple attempts only brought about the same problem. The tree wouldn't stand up. When I probed into the forest of the green needles, I discovered our perfect tree had a huge flaw. The base of the tree began straight and centered, but the middle of the trunk contorted in pretzel-like pretzel -like twists 
bending this way and that, but coming out straight at the top. It was perfect on the outside, but hopelessly flawed within. It could never stand on its own. In our not-so-perfect Christmas tree, I saw the story of Christmas. On the outside, we like to show that we have it all together. Tis the season to be jolly. But inside, we know differently. Hurts, pains, disappointments, anger, bitterness. Worse yet, there is that contortion of our souls the Bible calls sin. And no matter how many ornaments Lisa and I hung on our tree, we knew it could never stand on its own. No matter how many ornaments we attach to our lives, we can never be right with God on our own. The Christmas story is about God seeing, it is not about God seeing how nice we were and coming down to spend time with such sweet people. It's the story of God seeing twisted, hurting, sinful people who could never stand on their own and coming down to die for us. It's a story of love. God came to save us from our sins. And while it entailed the joy of a new baby being born, it also ended up with Jesus taking on the sins of the world and dying on the cross for our sins.